Welcome to Talking Church Podcast. I am not your host, Logan Ketterling. I'm Nathan Finocchio. Well, let's jump right in. That's I don't need a new intro from there. Yeah. Uh, we are joined not just by Nathan Finocchio, but by uh, basically you're like my aunt, Aunt Lisa. I'll take it. Um, Lisa Bevere, for those listening, for those watching, they I'd see say, both of you I'd here. say that Lisa's my aunt, too. I'll yeah. take it. I could yeah. birth you, yeah. and yeah, I could sure. birth you, so yeah. I could be yeah. mom. Yeah. 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 Grown up, knowing your boys and yeah. good friends with them, and you both are, are in Italians. proximity. Yeah, you're in Italian. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. 3%, I think. My wife is 100, but I'm 3 what do you think? How do so, you count? I don't know. I took the the twenty three and Me DNA test. I don't know. It's it's like a biscotti. It, it counts. Yeah, I'll, I'll okay. count it. Yeah. <laughs> you're like you're biscotti. It's what we. Yeah. Well, the reason why both of you are here, we're here at our Sparkle Women's Conference, mm-hmm. and both of you have spoken at our conference. We have two back to back conferences, so that's why you're here. I, it wasn't just for the podcast. Contrary to popular belief, we couldn't afford to bring both of you in just for this. Fair. But I'm happy that you're here. Okay. Nathan has been a regular guest on this podcast mm-hmm. for. This is probably your fourth or fifth time on it. Yeah, but you only ran like two because the other ones were <laughs> too just, controversial. The, yeah, the content was just like it was never. We did. Going we to. did actually cut about fifteen minutes of his first one. <laughs> was there a rant? Oh, there was a couple of rants yeah, for sure. <laughs> we'll see what yes. if we have to cut anything today. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Lisa, you let's just jump right in. Because, You're married to John Bevere, though. I mean, come on. You know, but like, he's he doesn't get in trouble. That's true. He doesn't. He just is very he just black offends and white. people. Totally. Yes. Yeah. He like, yeah. he preaches the Bible and it makes people upset because it's like oh yeah oh that Bible it hurt my feelings. Yeah, that would that would be the truth. <laughs> he preached yeah. a message River Valley called "Live Undef- Undefendable." And oh yeah, unoffendable? Ca- unoffendable. Unoffendable. Yeah. 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 Free and from offense. Totally. So people are commenting like, "I got no excuse." Like, bought, if you're going to be offended on that, message, I bought comment. my wife, bro. I bought my wife Beta Satan. <laughs> I'm dead serious, and I'm <laughs> making her read it right now. <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? You know how I've been a trash husband? Read this. You need to get some freedom. <laughs> it's the theme of the conference. Is <laughs> Lisa, tell us about your post yeah. you made the other day. Yeah, so I was just, I have this t-shirt that says the future is male and female. And I just felt like I wanted to wear it. Yeah. So I wore it. I went to a coffee shop. I actually had people come up and say, I really love your T-shirt. Where can I buy it? And was so that I thought, in Tennessee, though? It was in Franklin, okay, yes. It wasn't in what coffee shop? Uh, it, it was uh, Highbrow. Highbrow. Oh, in, in West Haven? Yeah. So yeah. people were happy, and they were happy. Sure. So I thought, I'm safe. So yeah. I take a selfie of myself in the car, and I just put, uh, the future is male and female, because without male and female, there is no future. Yeah. And uh, I was just incredibly shocked by the pushback that I got from Christians wow. about that post. I heard, that sounds like all lives matter. I heard you're co-signing with patriarchy. Jesus does not want you to co-sign with the male domination of women. Men don't need to be included. Men know they're included. We need, I mean, like it went on. No, you guys, it went on and on and on oh. white empowered males need to be eliminated from the... I mean, it, yeah. people went crazy. Totally. So then I did a little video, and I said, okay, let me just explain this. This is on Instagram? Yes. I said, this is biology. There is no future without male and female. This is not a racial statement. This is not a anti-LGTBQ. This is not an exclusion of anybody. This is just... A statement of truth, and again, people just you know you're you're anti-feminist. You're what kind of am? And so I I actually thought if this has triggered this many people, there's something more going on. So I just typed into my Google search, what is the origin of the quote "the future is female," because everybody thought this is about encouraging women, and I found out that the future of female came from 1975. It was a display for Labrys, which is a lesbian separatist group who believed that lesbians should live separate from men and heterosexuals. Uh, They have the Labrys, which is a double-headed axe, and they also said that the future female was a call to war and a spell. And Hillary brought it back in 2017. (laughs) for the campaign, I guess. And so 25% of the proceeds go to Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, 
Do people even know what they're saying? 25% of the proceeds of the Futures Female goes, goes to, to Planned Parenthood. Parent. Yeah, so, I mean, right there. Yeah. The <laughs> all of your, not female, all of your Christian <laughs> audience have, like, outed themselves there. It's yeah. like, obviously, you're, you don't know anything of what you're talking about. And if you do support that organization knowingly, I mean, like, what, oh, really? So un- crazy. unknowingly, you kind of stepped into the culture war. Obviously, we, there's a culture war going on all around us. W- why do you think Christians, I mean, of the the world, I suppose, non-Christians, yeah. why do you think can, Christians are getting so confused about this ideology to where, again, God created us, male and female. You read Genesis 1, you read mm-hmm. Genesis 3, you know, you, you read all throughout the scripture of the distinction, but... Why do you think that Christians are becoming confused? Again, there's there's deconstruction around it. There's people that are lacking uh, understanding of biblical literacy. But maybe we can talk about that. What what as both of you travel, yeah. both of you are speaking. You have a lot of followers on Instagram that people are sharing opinions with you, as as you can tell. Very generous opinions. Uh, yes, <laughs> but but why do you think people are struggling with this? Well, I do feel. I mean, I want you to speak to this as well. I do feel that since the 1960s women have been trying to be men. And when women try to be men, we shouldn't be surprised that now men are trying to be women. So we've got a crazy world going on right now. And um, we have forgotten that both male and female carry the image of God, but they carry the image of God in unique and powerful ways. And I, I feel like what we've done is listen to the lies of the feminist who said, if I want to be a powerful woman, I need to act like a man. Well, I don't want to be a man. Mm-hmm. I want to know what it is to be a powerful woman. Mm-hmm. I don't think women acting like men is a position of strength any more than I think men acting like women is a position of strength. We need women to be women and men to be men, but mm-hmm. I think we've forgotten what that is. And that isn't a only limited to a stay-home trad wife. It would include, I mean, when you look at Proverbs 31, she does it all. She's a busy girl. Yes, and she doesn't ask her husband permission to buy a field. Yep. She has a brain. She yeah. considers it. She buys it. Don't she ask, plants just, it. Just she buy sells. it, Maggie. Yeah, and, and my husband's kind of that way with me. Yeah. He's like, I don't want to be asked questions that you have a brain for. Yeah, if you're gonna be yeah. making me a millionaire, don't 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 ask. Just go and do it, please, love. Yeah. So I mean, I I do feel like we have bought into the feminist lie. Yeah. I feel like feminists are anti-female because they try to change women into men. Mm, that's really good. I'm thousand percent with you. I was gonna say uh, a, 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 an addendum. Um, I was hoping you would have one of those. <laughs> yeah, I'll have, there's a few. So an addendum. I think that weak women are try, are trying to become men, and weak men are trying to become women. I think that it's a it's a weakness in in the character, yeah. right? Because because if you think of it, um, embodying feminine uh, traits is really hard work. Yeah. Like and and I, once again, I'm not going to just limit it to stay at home trad wife, but yeah. still. Like, let's just even go there and just say, like, you know, that is a really beautiful thing to do to raise children. That's and, and I actually hard work. stayed home, and people don't know that. Yeah, I breastfed all of my boys till they asked me to stop. Arden was two and a half. I stayed home. I didn't ever travel on Sundays. John was with the boys on Friday night. If I went and did a women's conference, right. I was back home on Saturday night so I could take the kids to church. I don't think people understand right. that, and I agree with you because you're not getting affirmation for staying home with your kids. Yeah. You know, and I remember I That's used a to be job. I used to be a television producer and I used to make more money than John and I had my first baby and I realized I wanted to stay home. And so I said I'm going to wow. quit my job. We're going to have one car and I'm going to stay home. And then I remember, you know, I got pregnant with my second son and I told my husband, I think I need to go back to work. I think I need to, because it was so hard for Mm. me to feel like I was winning at home. Mm. And uh, John was like, you said when you got pregnant with Austin, you wanted to stay home. I said, pregnant women lie. We are desperate. We just say things we don't mean. He was like, (laughs) I feel like God wants you to face something. Mm. And I felt inadequate because I had measured myself by being a rep for Eli Lilly, then working in television. And there's nothing I'm happier about now, looking back at my life, than my sons. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's uh, Chesterton called uh, mothers like the first educators and philosophers. They have mm-hmm. to be, they actually have, to, they're general practitioners in philosophy because children ask them 
every crazy question and they have to have an answer for them, you know. Um, so you, they have to have a it, – it, it's not just the work of the house. It's also the philosophy of raising children. It's just incredible um, and it's a hard task. It's, you know, and so I think that I think that these, these masculinity and femininity um, have been uh, um, have been found hard, mm-hmm. right, and left untried, you know, because it's like, oh, that, what I have to, you know, I have to provide or I have to do this or there's responsibility to these. That's the, 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 the interesting thing of, of both of these things. It's the responsibility of these um, of these callings, because I think that the you know fe- femininity and masculinity um, are are callings. You're called to be a spouse. You're you're called to be a husband. You're called to be a wife, and it's unique functions. You know, like the husband right. loves his wife in a in a way unique to her love. You know what I mean? Like, and and these are the responsibility of the thing to which we're called is just it's 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 like it seems too great, and so it's just like no, it would be much easier to go and do this. You know, absolutely, and immediately uh, supported with reward and like, yay, yeah, my achievement is. Totally. And I did believe at one point that I could do it all. Mm. So I would with my with my first son. He was at daycare, and I went there on my lunch hours, and I nursed him, and I pumped my breast during. And I just remember my shoulders were attached to my ears. I was like this. <laughs> I was living like I'm doing it all. I'm doing it all. And I and I remember thinking my husband wasn't doing enough, and I was in the shower one night because every I took showers every morning and every night to just try to relax my back. And I remember hearing the Holy Spirit say, "You don't think John's a very good head of the household, do you?" And I said, I know he's not. And he said, I've made you the head of the household. And he said, it's a yoke to you, Mm. but it's a mantle to John Lisa. Mm. Throw it off. Because I was working full time. John was working part time. I was driving the baby. I was taking care of everything. And I just remember everything shifted when I realized that God was the source, whether I was working or not working. Mm. And I remember I came out of the shower crying. My husband had been praying I would break. (laughs) Come out. And he's like, I'm like, okay. I will quit my job tomorrow. I said, but I want to be one with you again. Mm. I said, I am so tired of fighting you on everything. Mm. And John said, I don't think you need to quit your job, but I do think you need to quit thinking you're the source. Mm. And everything began to shift. And, And a lot of times I think women don't know how to interact with their husbands. And I would get annoyed because I felt like John acted like a boy, but all he'd ever known was a mother. So if I didn't treat him like a husband, if I didn't draw out and speak to who he was becoming and I nagged him like a mother, then I was surprised that he acted like a little boy. And so I had to change the way I interacted. And I watched my husband go from a boy to a man when I went from being his mother to being his wife. Mm. And it was a big shift for us. Yeah, wow, that's... It's going to take a little bit these, of time. These conversations are so crucial, though, yeah. because yeah. you're right. We, what what, mm-hmm. what Christian, Christianity has to do, it's almost like we need a council on defining what biblical womanhood and biblical manhood are. I know there's resources out there that are actually fantastic on that. I mean, you know, oh, well, the reformers to, have been hitting that. To, yeah, but, the, but even there, it gets little, kind of confusing. Yeah. But even yeah. in the church right now, I mean— The complementarians uh, love to, you know— to get into there, yeah, and you, you have that that egalitarian complementarian divide, and there's been good work in both camps. But the point is, is like, but even even more so though, defining you know what are those traits, putting scripture to them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what, but it mm-hmm. it feels to me that we're actually defining in a lot of circles the wrong thing, right? Like we're defining the roles, but we're actually not defining the thing, which like. We're not defining manhood and womanhood. What does it mean to be a man? Yeah, the, the totally. struggle is right. like yeah. th- again. What does authority mean in First Timothy? What is what is the what does an eldership look like? What is yeah. deacon? Which again, I think those things are important. And obviously, in the church, you have. I mean, in, in the Christian church in America, you would have full stop complementarians. That I mean, even yeah. to the point they're like, you should not even work a job that is sinful for you to work a job. And then you got the other oh, side yeah. that's like, like we should have only. Church is only led by women, right? right. And and th- they were all call themselves Christians. There's people that say right. only by women. 
Uh, not like in response, like in okay. response to the patriarchy. Right. Okay, they would say like only led like like, like progressive Lutherans. Exactly, or something. exactly. Okay, and like okay. in Minnesota, the Sparkle Creed is what made famous. Not not related to Sparkle Conference, but there was the Sparkle Creed of this woman. I don't know what denomination it was, the Lutheran Church maybe. And basically, God is a woman, and He is trans God because of the Trinity. I mean, that's that's in our city right here. Why and are you not fa- praying more? Well, I, we we <laughs> need you to come move here. Why'd you move to Tennessee? You need to fill a super. Or full of anointing oil and just yes, begin to spray this march around the building. Thing. But exactly. I think I think in the midst of that, we're defining roles. Mm-hmm. We're not defining the actual identity of of who God's made us to be. Right, and right. I think that's part of the problem. Is is you you can be a working mom and a stay at home mom. You can or, or one or the other. You can you can yep. share. Obviously, you're you're a author. You're a, a prophetess in a lot of ways. You know, you 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 write these books. You encourage people all over. But it's like, no, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a pastor. Of yeah. a local congregation, right, and that's great. There's seasons of your life where you're staying at home more. There's yeah. seasons of your life now where you have grandchildren and right. you're traveling all over and speaking. But again, those are just roles. That's not an identity of right. who you are. And so I yeah. think that might be part of the problem. That's really good. We're identifying the wrong things. Yeah. We're we're not going high enough. Right. Where God says, "Well, why, why did I? I mean, why did He create two different beings? He didn't have to." We're, we're assuming a lot. Right. And the world's asking more base, basic questions. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, so we're just going, oh, yeah, no, no, we know what a man is. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, it's men have penises and women have vaginas. Okay. And then we just move on to roles where it's like they're literally going, yeah, but why? Right. Why does genitalia, you know what I mean? Like, right. why does, you know what I mean? Like, and and why does that mean this? And why does it, that connect it to this? That, yeah. But the more you understand about Scripture, the more you realize that it is important, right? I mean, the the way God made us. The actual right. identity, again, which is right. what Proverbs 31 talks about. Right. It, ta- it talks about as an example. Right. Here's a lot of things a Proverbs 31 woman does, right? Yeah. But then when you look at the roles in the New Testament, it's, again, it's not tying it to full identity. It's tying it to here. here's an example of it. And I think we're, we're like grabbing a hold of the examples, mm-hmm. and we're missing the point of the whole conversation, mm-hmm. which is two distinct beings. When you when you think about teaching this and maybe some of those things that people are missing, what are things you both have learned in this process that have said, okay, this is what biblical manhood, biblical womanhood is, and maybe this is what it isn't? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'd probably start in Genesis 2. Well, I guess I do, I do Genesis 1, 26 to 28, fourfold purpose of God, mm-hmm. you know, the Amago Dei, and then I go, and then I go to Genesis chapter two, and I talk about how Adam, God made a made a garden, and and made, and then made a guy to make take care of his garden, you know. So, you know, talking about how Adam's uh, Adam first exists in relationship to God. Um, Adam is to reflect the character of God, um, but that will be in from his the proximity of the relationship. You know what I mean? Relationship, character, then comes function, and then comes reproduction. That's the fourfold purpose of God. And so, you know, that relationship and that character part, that's where we get the identity part, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I emphasize, I emphasize those. And, I, and, and I, I, you know, in Genesis 2, function, you know, once again, that's the family business, right? Mm-hmm. If I have a Finocchio, they have my last name. That's relationship. Mm-hmm. Then they learn that Finocchios don't throw their breakfast at the dinner table. So they have to become a Finocchio, right? There's a process of becoming mm-hmm. a Finocchio. You have yeah. my last name, but yeah. you need to become a Finocchio. Yeah. And then you start you learn start to learn the family business, right? And so like you were talking about, we're talking about the family business without talking about proximity and talking about right. character, right? Um, and so in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, that's where a lot of that work is, needs to be done, where we're getting back to... I mean, when Jesus was asked about marriage... He talked about Genesis one and twenty and, and two, mm-hmm. right? And he talked about, and right, and he identified male, female. Mm-hmm. That's how God made them, and then he and then he begins to talk about the function, uh, or rather the character of you know right. God made them in His image, right? He made them male and female. There's the image, and he, he begins to talk about their their relationship and their proximity to one another. My, you know, this is um, I have a, a friend. He's a psychologist. His name is. Um, well, he's a great many things. His name is Jim, Jim McNeish. And um, he believes that the personality doesn't exist outside of relationship. Like, 
it's kind of like if a tree falls in the forest right. and nobody's there no, to hear it. That would it make to... sense because they're not relating to anything. Well, exactly. Yeah, that would like, make almost sense. Almost like you can put on a face of a totally different person if you're talking to someone. You're, yeah. Like if I was talking to Lisa, I'd never met her yeah. versus yeah. talking to your spouse yeah. or something. Have you ever, met, have you ever like seen somebody from high school and you just revert back to that idiot that you were when you were 16? <laughs> right. It's like, and then you're walking away and you're crying. You're like, what was that? You know, it's like. <laughs> that's that, why I don't know class yeah. reunions. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, the, that's just the personality and the personality exists to protect itself from other people and navigate the world of relationships, right? That's literally what the personality is. The personality is... It's a projected. It's, exa- mm-hmm. it's just a protective mm-hmm. cocoon. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Mm-hmm. And so our humor, our int- like a lot of these different things, it's how we process the pressure of relationships and, and, and how we protect ourselves from people because all of the harm in life is from people and their words and the things that we do and the things that they say, da 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 So long story short... His theory is that the the um, the I mean even if you look into Jungian psychotherapy, the five stages of childhood wounding, it's all from what the parent did. You know, if you sleep train your kid, you mess them up this way. If you don't sleep train your kid and they're sleeping with you until you're tw- they're twelve, you mess them up this way, right? So which mess up are you gonna do? Right? Are you gonna have codependency? Are you, are you gonna have this completely independent? you know, psychopath who has no, who can't build relationships at all, right? All that to say, though, it's all, all of those, the five, five stages of ch- childhood wounding that shape the ego and shape personality, they're all from relationships, the context of relationship. So, so, and it's actually interesting, you know, if, if you think of the ego, of the personality only, it only exists in, in, in relationship, spiritual maturity only happens in the context of relationship. Mm-hmm. So the character of Christ is only formed in relationship. The reason why I bring that, all that up is to say that Adam and Eve have their identity somehow, firstly, in relationship to God. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the first identity marker, right? Mm-hmm. But somehow it really matters about their relationship to one another. Mm-hmm. You know, So I'm a man because I'm not a woman but I'm a man in relationship to who you are as a woman, right? And that's the beauty, you know, I think, and I'm going to use a term without the theology of it, but the complementarian idea Mm -hmm. is that, like, we literally somehow, you know, we don't complete each other, but in some way we kind of do. Well, we're a union. We're a union, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so I think think you you can't talk about biblical masculinity in its totality without talking about a man's relationship to his wife or a man's relationship to other people, you know, or a man's relationship, you know, to his, his children. to his children. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, once again, it, it's, we're talking about the responsibilities and it's not just, you know, once again, relationship, character, reproduction, or, or a function and reproduction, the family, right? right? Family name, family character, family business, reproducing all that. So it does have an order, but they are connected to one another. Mm. So I love what Nathan is saying, and I love how when you look at the creation of woman, she was actually in him. Right. She was in him. She's there. She was there. All along. And and God had him name everything so that he could find out Mm. what he was missing and what you're talking about, that in relation, there is nothing related to me outside of me. There is nothing like me and different. And so before the fall, there was Ish and Isha. She was not named Eve until the fall. And yeah, so she three. became about what she could do mm-hmm. instead of who she was to him. And that, that actually is saying an awful lot oh. because even, even in that dynamic where God comes and, of course, the serpent has said, you know, hey, you know, did God say? And she was like, oh, we can't eat and we can't touch it. She adds something to it, which we have to remember. She wasn't there when the original uh don't eat of this tree. Hey, you're the guardian. And and I will say, I, I push back, and not on anything you guys have said, but a lot of times I'll hear things like, we'd be in the garden if it hadn't been for Eve. But the truth is, nothing happened till Adam ate. And I think we forget just even that says something about divine order. And he was there with her. Totally. He could have said, nope. That's yeah. not what God said. It was gonna. It was, That's not who we are. It was gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. like, like we were going. To, we were going to eat it. Eve was just the first one to the tree. Right. You know what I mean. But like, they both should have used their voice yeah. on the serpent yeah. and said, "It is written," like Jesus did. Right. Instead of, well, the woman you put here, which is actually Adam blaming God. 
the woman you put here. Like, oh, I didn't like partner with you on this. I, you know, I didn't dream her out. Isn't that so true of so many believers in how they respond to sin? Yeah. Is it, they respond to blaming God, right? If only you wouldn't have made my life so miserable, I wouldn't have done that. If only this, right? The pushback that you're getting, you know, from that is just Genesis 3 pushback. It's the enmity between man and woman. Uh, you know, well, it's the enmity is between the woman and the serpent. Right, but there's a there's a there is a um, a breach. There's a you know a, a, a God says to Eve that she, you know her desire will be for her husband and he will rule over. Her. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I guess there's different readings of it, but one reading could be it, it perhaps could mean that she's wanting to be the one that's ruling, but he's going to be the one that rules, right? And so there's going to be this conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be the battle of the sexes, and it started in the garden. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I do believe, I've, I believe that that's a multifaceted. I think there are women that their desire is to, well, I, I mean, according to when you talk to some of the, you read the Midrash or you talk to different things, there are some accounts that say only Adam left initially. Like it says, now lest the man put forth his hand. It doesn't say now lest they right. and, and t- you know, and eat. So, so God cast the man out and they said it was actually God said, you're going you're gonna to leave. Your desire is going to be more for him than for me and he will right. rule you. So I think there's that I agree with you, that conflict, but I also believe that when Jesus came, he he put to death the, the enmity between man and woman Absolutely. or the, the, the struggle sure. and between people and the earth and parents and children. And, you know, the, it should be the races. It should be the genders. You know, I, I always grew up saying, I don't even like women. And my husband was like, you, you do know you are one, right? <laughs> like this is, and it's like, oh yeah, but I'm like a woman's body and a man's brain. And Joe was like, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. But I, <laughs> I, I, I would just see this fallen nature. Yeah. And then I found out, push hard enough on me, and I can do the exact same thing. I could be just as awful. So we we all have a broken space in our life where we can either fill it with manipulation or influence, mm. domination or dominion. And women have the dominion where it comes to influence, and men have the dominion where it comes to structure and order. And you know, so I know that for our family and for the church at large, we have a lot of churches that are growing big because men are in charge, but they're not growing safe because women don't have a voice. Right. So we need fathers and mothers, and we need mothers. Absolutely. I'm so yeah. with you. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that reality is maybe the response that that people that we would probably would say would be believing false theology, but it's an understandable response, whether it's right or wrong, is due to some of the patriarchal, for lack of a better term, history of the world, right? Due to the sin of man, the sin of men, to where there is domineering. There isn't, there isn't this mutual love and respect. There isn't Jesus dying for the church the, the way that that leadership is. I mean, it's the, the age-old saying of like, good times are created by strong men, and then good times create weak, weak men. men, weak men create bad times, bad times create good men, right, mm-hmm. and strong men. But I do think that some of that is a response to women that are seeing weak men in leadership, mm-hmm. not just in the church, but mm-hmm. at large, that they're leading, and then they're saying as a response, this is not how it's supposed to be. And so it's an And they're under- not wrong. Well, yeah, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's an understandable response, but right. then what can happen is then they get grabbed a hold of by this religion almost that is the response to this is to then reverse the roles, change the structure that God intended, and that doesn't work either. Well, the truth is God is a patriarchal God. Right. That doesn't mean he wants unhealthy patriarchs, but a patriarch is a male leader. Mm-hmm. It's a wise right. man. And and so I, I really, being a mother of four sons and a grandmother to three, I really don't love what I am, the attack I see on men in general. And, you know, I've heard, what if, what is the saying? When, um, when women act like men, men act like women. Well, I would actually reverse that and say when men act like boys, women act like men because they feel like they have to fill the void. Like when they're like, I've I've got to take care of my kids. I have to do this. And it isn't necessarily always that they want to, 
but there's this void. And so we see the young men being emasculated where they can't protect. They don't. So what do they do? Play video games because they, that drive is in them to conquer. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, just that the, there's no valuing of intimacy. So there's pornography, there's masturbation, there's a hookup culture, there's all this stuff that is deconstructing the family. And the truth is it's a spiritual thing, but it's also something that came in in a very Marxist, deconstruct the American family. And the number one thing that the Marxists went after was the American patriarch. Mm. That was their goal, was to deconstruct. In 1969, when they, 12 women sat together, they said, we will deconstruct the American patriarch by promoting promiscuity, prostitution, eroticism, and homosexuality. Yeah. They've done a pretty good job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've excelled. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, yeah, I probably, I, I totally understand that we're living in a, probably a 400-year thought experiment where there were abuses of authority, mm-hmm. you know, by... Uh, trusted um, organizations like uh, priests and kings. And, and so then we, we had the Reformation and, and then we had revolutions and we got rid of the kings and we got rid of the, the, the popes and the priests and we replaced them with authority that we thought would work and that authority didn't work. And so now we're, there's a crisis of authority and so you know that's why we're so obsessed with self this and self that and self, you got to self-author, you got to self-discover uh, because now you are the authority and you have to decide everything, you know. And so there is this crisis of, of authority. And we're probably learning very quickly that um, it probably wasn't the authority structures. It's just that and it, per, perhaps people are coming to the conclusions that everybody sucks. It wasn't the authority. You know what I mean? So No, it's true. Yeah. And so yeah. it could be, and I probably, I, I would probably be a little bit old school in in that I can see that it's really easy to problematize systems when really it's and sometimes you can see it in the system where it's like yeah that just doesn't work you know you ever been at, at like an airport and you're like your system screwed up you know, like it's called TSA totally yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> and you can see it but other times it's like I think this like you said Lisa yeah. this patriarch thing uh, you know, it seems like it worked really well, actually, for a lot of civilizations. Like, for example, the Greek civilization, they kicked butt. Like, they were pretty good. Why at, are we not talking about the Romans? Because I hear everybody thinks about it yeah, exactly. every single day. The Roman civilization. Absolutely. The Romans, <laughs> once a week. the Romans were brilliant. Look at medieval Europe. You know, like, medieval Europe is perhaps one of the best civilizations yeah. that was ever. Christian Europe is, by all standards the greatest civilization that was ever created. And that's a patriarchal society. Um, and there were incredible women in European uh, uh, European Christian, uh, in Christian Europe that were, you know, they, they, they killed it. And so are they, you know, we, we have to ask some, some, some questions like, you know, were they happier? Maybe they were. You know what I mean? Like why, why do we assume? It doesn't seem like women are that happy. Are they happy? I mean, no, actually, I mean, all the studies I was reading as I'm researching, they're the most unhappy, the most unfulfilled. They have everything. Because when you're actually striving for something and you don't have it yet, you're like, when I get there, mm. I'll be happy. When I get married, when I get that job, when I have my first baby. And they're getting and they're not happy. Mm. And they're devastated. And I mean, I agree with you. And I think the thing is, we hear authority and we hear problematic. Totally. Because we there hear have been domination. Abuses. Yes. But yeah. authority should be for provision, mm. protection, yep. and direction. Yeah. We believe authority is actually to lift other people. Right. It's never to push people down. Yeah. So if authority is misused, the person misusing it is the problem, not the structure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking earlier, Lisa, and you shared a quote from from Soul, and um, I believe he said this as well. I'm paraphrasing it, but he said something along the lines of, "Someone asked him why he's conservative." Yeah, and he said, "Well, I'm concerned." He said, "I used to be super progressive." Yeah, um, and then he said, "I w- went and de- worked for the Department of Labor, and I realized that everyone, nobody did what they actually believed." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Progressives believe a set of ideals that mm-hmm. are that can never be attained." and constantly criticize 
the society to work towards their their perceived best outcome, mm. but ultimately never get it because it's unattainable, right? Well, because that's be, intentional, right? Because right. Well, because you have people to have chaos. because right. people always suffer, right? Right. In, in any, I mean, you talk about those all those empires. There were certainly people that suffered. There were certainly people that struggled, but yeah. in America, there are people. I mean, you go to Skid Row in L.A. There's people that are suffering. However, it's the it's greatest everywhere. society that's ever been built due to equality. But he, but he said, the reason why I became conservative, and again, this I'm, I'm not meaning this to be political, but it kind of is, is is I realized that conservatives understood the world as there is no perfect ideal, and that we are in a system of equally bad or not equally bad outcomes but bad outcomes and our job is to pick the least bad outcome for the mm -hmm. most amount of people mm -hmm. and i think that we as humans that's that's mm -hmm. the best we can do now god yeah is outside of that but when when i look in first samuel when israel's begging for a king begging for a king god's like ah, let me tell you what's I'll, gonna happen i'll give it to you yeah. but you're not gonna like it because he's gonna fall short because that's what people do and since that point, when Saul, I mean, the hiding man is the first king, right? And he goes, since that point, authorities always failed because that's all that we're capable of doing because we fail. We're sinful people. And so, again, it kind of goes back to the set of authority that, that God had for us, that you look throughout all of the entire Old Testament to where leaders fail. The pharaohs, they turn wicked. You know, the king, you, you read the story of, of the good kings in kings, and actually most of them are bad in both Judah and it's in Israel. It's only one. Yeah. Josiah. Yeah. He's the only one that finished he everything well. Because you understand the word of the but Lord. But he gets killed in battle. I'm always like, I don't even understand that. And then the chain that. goes yeah. down a different yeah. direction. Then, and the, one yeah. other leader is Deborah. There's no criticism of Deborah. Those are, she was a judge and he was a king. Those are the only ones that it doesn't say, well... He did this and this and right. this, but he left the high places. I mean, it, right. it it's, yeah. yeah. They're the only two that don't have any kind of stain yeah, on their rule. We, we were not created in the same way that we were not created to truly lead in the way that God is meant to lead. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, it's the same thing in marriage. I officiated a wedding last weekend and sharing in the wedding. You can't do this by yourself. Mm -hmm. If God isn't at the center of your marriage, it won't work. Because that's the way he designed it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the point of this entire conversation, right? Is that's the way God designed it. Yeah. Not us. If we design it, we might do some things good, but someone's going to suffer. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to fail, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, um, I believe it was John Walton um, in one of his books. He has a trilogy on the garden. like It's like the lost world of Adam and Eve, the lost world of Genesis 2, etc., Somewhere in there, he talks about how the garden was, uh, the pre-lapsarian uh, garden was... Pre-lapsarian was that? Yeah. Before yeah. the fall. Pre-fall. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. The, Didn't you know that? The pre-fall pre <laughs> garden was not uh, perfect. Like, for example, like there was one thing that was not good before the fall. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. woman was missing. Yeah, yeah, the woman was missing. It was mm -hmm. not good. The mm -hmm. maybe Yeah, so like there was something that was not good in mm -hmm. this garden. So, so the garden was not paradise it was just optimal for like it wasn't perfect right but it was optimal for human flourishing and i think that um you know in in, in the in the arena of relationships between men and women mm -hmm. there's not going to be any perfect relationship there's no perfection this is the issue this is why conservatives um or the you know the philosophy of conservatives. I'm not talking about necessarily all the political right, ramifications right. or this, you know specificities, etc. But conservatives have this idea that the world is really messed up. People are really messed up. Utopia cannot be achieved because humanity is deeply, deeply flawed. But we can create some optimal. Um, That's what you were saying. Yeah. Some yeah. optimal, for the things. best chance of flourishing. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For the most amount. Yeah. Create the exactly. best environment. And, exactly. And so they're. Um, Chesterton said that a good marriage is a truce and a great marriage is a treaty. And, you know, what you do is in marriages, you, you, you know, you, it's not just a negotiated peace fire. It's like, okay, we will stop firing. You will do this and I will do this. 
and you will do this, and I'll just write that's a treaty, right? Like you, know, you agree, you, it's an agreement of terms, right? Yeah. Every great relationship has agreements, and a relationship is only as good as its agreements. And so um, that is exactly, I think, what Christian uh, relationships between men and women and marriages are, is we are negotiating agreements, and God is giving us some hints on what some of our strengths might be. Mm-hmm. And, there, and there's going to be some men that are just lousy leaders, you know, like, and, and there's going to be some, some women that are, you know, we're going to have some failures, but for the most part, it's probably going to be optimal if this is how we, if, if we embrace, you know, these, these, these identities and yes, even some of these roles. And that doesn't mean that, you know, that dad sits at the big, you know, the head and eats a big piece of chicken and mom's always wearing the apron. It doesn't have to look like that. That's, that's traditional. Right. Uh, values. That's not necessarily biblical values. It's just, you know what I mean. Sometimes right. we have to di- right. we have to differentiate differentiate between those mm-hmm. two exactly. But yeah, I mean, we have as Christians, we have to believe that God knows what He's doing, and in this fallen world, we can we can have some not perfect but better ways of living. Mm-hmm. And I want to highlight something you said: treaty. And I I I, I love. I want to elaborate on that. Um, I've been married 41 years in wow. in next month. And I remember everything shifted for me. I was sitting in the car. I was really frustrated with John because John is very like, you're like, this is what we're doing. And I'd be like, I feel run over. And, and so I was sitting in the car. I probably was crying. I you know, was waiting to go into the house. And I sense the Holy Spirit say, you speak to John like he's an enemy rather mm-hmm. than ally. He said, you have both become experts in one another's weaknesses rather than experts in one another's strengths. Mm -hmm. And he said, you're using your strength to attack John's weak spaces, and he's using his strength to attack yours. You have to stop seeing each other as enemies. Mm -hmm. You are allies. And so we started to sit at the table, and we just even had this conversation last week. We're we're looking for a building, and they they took me to a couple places, and I was like, I don't like and Addison was like, Mom, I love you. It's not your strength. It's just not your strength. And I'm like, eh, okay. And he said, this is a strength for dad. Mm. So John will take my input and, and he values my input. He will consider my input. And sometimes if I'm like, I just don't feel good about it. And it's not even like concrete input. He's like, if you don't feel good about it, I'm going to pull back from it. Right. But that's because there's a strength on John's life and there's a strength on my life. And like in our, even in our ministry organization, John is all about vision, but I am all about language. So he'll come to me and say, this is what's on my heart. And I'm like, I love you. You can't say it like that. <laughs> so, so I'm like, let's, yeah. let's find a way we can You're say producing. this. Yeah, yeah. That's that, good. That, but, what, and, but what I'm doing is I'm aligning myself by lending my strengths right. to his weakness love it. and making his strength stronger. Really and good. I think too many marriages, uh, the couples are fighting with each other, trying to win some argument. But the truth is a good marriage is two people committed to bringing out the best in one another, really good. not besting each other. And I, I just feel like there's that constant tension. Well, my side, my turn, I get to pick. No, it's it's a we and it's a going forward. Yeah. And um, I had a, a beautiful young woman come up to me in the book signing line and she was crying and she said um, her husband's really wrestling with something and it, it, it was a problem he brought into their marriage an addiction and she was like it's not my problem and I don't know what to do and I said listen when your husband or you bring a problem into a marriage that's both your problems it's not that you caused it it's not even that you brought it but both of you are being hurt by it right. and I said so you have to find a way to fight the problem and not your husband It'd be like, Logan's a problem, and we're the couple, and you disassociate from the problem. Like, we're going to fight this together Mm -hmm. instead of we're going to fight each other because you have a problem. And too many wives and too many husbands put their wife or their husband on the side of the table with a problem instead of on the side of the table of an ally fighting a problem. That's really good. So just as a visual. Yeah. Everything shifted for us when we did that. Lisa's just giving us great marriage advice. Yeah, that's good. I'm like, I'm like furiously writing down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I could talk for hours. The the last thought I, I was when you were talking about that, it made me think about the church, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and many people who are listening, who are church leaders, pastors, they understand the connection between God's creation of marriage and and the church and Jesus, right? The bride of Christ. 
I think there are maybe some listening that don't understand that distinction, but when you do, you realize that that marriage, that example. Now, the only difference is, of course, Jesus is perfect compared to his church, right, who constantly disobey him, the people of his church, and it's the theme throughout Scripture. But I think one thing that people often get, they often attack or blame, I mentioned this earlier, but just like you talked about the problem, I believe they do the same with the church. Maybe we can close with this thought around this, and and people call it deconstruction, they call it church hurt, they call it a lot of different things, but they put the problem on the same side as Christ or the same side as the church. Yeah, the one person or the one doctrine or the one experience, yeah. So I think maybe if you guys could close with the, the thoughts on, on that to say how obviously it's it's a mistake to do that right but what you've seen when it comes to that area when it comes to these people who are dealing with real hurt real shame real frustration mm-hmm. but they're putting it in the wrong place what would you say to someone like that go first uh, I would say that um, you know when we the the way when we when we make a mistake right or when we f- when we we all have nakedness right and when our nakedness is revealed our nakedness is revealed to ourselves first right, right? like um, where are you well they're obviously hiding you know because yeah. they're and aware. God actually knew where they were yeah, yeah. totally exactly yeah. it's like I can see you can buy I can see you behind that tree you idiot yeah um, you know and you know who told you that you're naked so we we are aware of our, our problems and our nakedness, I think deeply. Um, sometimes we're not, they're not, they're not always, it's not always floating on the, on the surface, but it is, it's, it's, it's in our subconscious deeply, I believe both. And so what happens is you, um, and, and we, and, and we deeply need, the, the funny thing is that we need, we desperately need to be naked. Like, uh, naked in the context of, of of Genesis was it's it's intimacy. It's right. like being known mm-hmm. and still being loved. Mm-hmm. You know, you can walk around and 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 with you know warts and all, and people and you know what I mean. And you're accepted and you're known and loved. Right? It's like a it's a huge need. So when you are aware now, you're hyper aware of all these problems. You're gonna freak out and you're gonna mask it somehow. And so I believe what deconstruction is a giant mask, particularly the hate against the church. Hate is a great way. So when Cain failed, his, when his offering was rejected, yep. he, he, he killed Abel, right? It's like the, he's like the first deconstructor, right? This is my nakedness. I'm a failure with God. And so now Abel must die. And that to me is what de- deconstruction is. Abel has to die. I have to assassinate the church. I need to assassinate my brothers because I've failed at the altar. And so if I'm failing, then no, then nobody's winning, if that makes sense. Um, and um, so I think that that's, that is the big reason why, the, why, the, why these guys become so toxic against the church is because they ha- it's like I, I call it Colin Kaepernick syndrome. You know, you get rejected from the NFL because, because you just weren't that good. So now you have to problematize every layer of the NFL while desperately wanting to be a part of the MFL still. And it's, it, it, that's exactly what it is. Abel must die. So it's Colin Kaepernick syndrome, right? So of course they're going, of course they're going to attack the organization right. because they desperately want to be a part of the organization, but they, their nakedness has been exposed and they've decided I can't, my nakedness will never be accepted. My, I can't live up to God's expectations. I'll never be able to do this. And so their way of, of, of their fig leaf bikini, their masking is hating the church. Right, right. It's very, very strange psychology, right. but it's all there in Genesis 3 and 4. Before I understood Genesis 3, it was interesting to see before when, when the author of Genesis points out, and they were naked and they were not ashamed, right? He points that out first in the text to then share the significance of what it was like for them to be ashamed by their nakedness, meaning they were never meant to be, just like you said, they were never right. meant to be ashamed because they had intimacy with the Father. And I think that in a lot of ways, in deconstruction, that first part is lost, right? Yeah. It's the intimacy with the Lord. Because when you're intimate with the Lord, what does the Lord love? He loves His church. So if you love the Lord, if you're intimate mm-hmm. with the Lord, 
then you will also love the church. It's interesting how mm-hmm. those who are away in their shame mm-hmm. hate the thing that God loves the most. Yeah. Well, shame will always get you to blame somebody because you want to, de- you want to deflect it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting to me that when, when you've got this very clear picture in Ephesians of Jesus saying, I'm washing the church with water of my word. He's not saying the church is washed. He's saying he's washing it. He's, he's getting her ready. He's not saying the church is perfect. Uh, beta Satan, mm-hmm. church hurt, church betrayal. What if John and I, and I'll, I will say people tried to push on that wound. I remember we, you know, went to some meetings. People were like, I see a betrayal in your life, you know, like, and we were like, yes, yes. But, but the Lord was so good. He said, you can live in your bondage or you can actually work your way out of this and you can forgive people who are not asking for it. And I think a lot of times people think forgiveness means they return into the abuse, but forgiveness is actually releasing God to work in their life and God to work in your life. And and the kindness is not an approval of the action, but man, the hostility that you hear from people that have church hurt I 100% agree with you. It is like a spurned lover. It is so angry. Like they would, if they could come up to me, they'd stab me in the heart. I mean, they, like I've been physically threatened, uh, monetarily, I mean, I'm like, and I've never even been a pastor. Like what is going on? Because they want to punish somebody because they feel rejected. But again, Cain had that option. Mm -hmm. If you do right, it'll be accepted. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no. This is not it. I'm, and so I do feel like people that have a heart for deconstruction without a heart for reconstruction, they're just agents of de- destruction. They're, they're not moving anything forward. They're just tearing the place down. It feels like the riots, they're burning things to the ground. They're destroying their neighbors. They're not going to come back in and rebuild anything. No. It's just venting their anger. Yeah. And the wrath of man or woman never works the righteous purposes of God. It's, Everything she just said. <laughs> no. it, it's so well said. This this conversation has been amazing. I was looking forward to it, and it was even more than I could have hoped, and I think this is going to help a lot of people. Is this and, a real piece of wood, by the way? Or has <laughs> been fake the whole time? Uh, I yeah. feel like it's real. Look, it's got... I, you can got, feel it. Yeah, I can attest it. because I made this table. So. Did, did you actually? Really? Yeah, I did. Thank you for giving me that Are you chance. dead serious? I'm serious. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's walnut. Actually, you actually do this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean you assembled this? No, no, like I, I bought the wood like raw and then sand it. You did, it. Logan Ketterling. Yes, I did. I'm impressed, my guy. Yeah, thank you. That's thank some. You. That's some like. That's why it was good. It's exactly. This, I'm like this, going like this is a yeah. cool table. Well, <laughs> thank, thank Scott you for is that, so good. That plug at the end. Uh, <laughs> yep. uh, Logan's tables. <laughs> yeah. Thank. Thank you. You always have that to fall back on, buddy. <laughs> that's true. That's if true. This whole this, church the thing podcast doesn't, doesn't work, work out. out. Yeah. Um, but thank you for being here today. It, and this is two years of the podcast, so this is our two-year well, celebration. Well, congratulations. So, Happy birthday to you. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. this conversation. And, and Nathan just had his ten-year anniversary. I did. Yeah. And I'm did. doing the forty-one. Ten-year anniversary. Of forty-one. Your yeah. You're thirty-one ahead of me. Yeah, <laughs> I am. You're never going to catch up. No, I will probably won't. <laughs> well, let's wrap it up. You still have to preach today. I do. Um, Thank you for this conversation. And until next time.